Sing Second Sports is a ProVision Advisors production. Let us solve your toughest communication problems and leave your team stronger and more capable for the challenges that lie ahead. Visit www.provisionadvisors.net to learn more. All right. Hey, hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard another great episode of the Sing Second Sports Podcast. It is February. Yikes. A um, little bit of snow on the ground here in Maryland. Our snowless streak is ended and Wags and I are here to bring you the Sing Second Sports Podcast. Bill Wagner of the Capital Gazette and Baltimore Sun Newspapers. And I, as always, am John Schofield. Chris Cervello, class of 99, is our producer. So Wags, this is our lacrosse preview segment. We're going to talk to Joe Amplo, um, the head coach of Navy Lacrosse. Some small news coming out of that program recently with a new building and Skalniak and Bonnets being named preseason All-Patriot League, the team being preseason ranked number three. Um, And as always, looking forward to the games against Hopkins and Army and doing well in that Patriot League competitive slate. We're also going to talk to Ashley Pelzik of Navy Basketball Lore former team captain of the class of 06. She's going to help us break down the Navy basketball season so far for the ladies. As we've talked about at length, it's been a tough season so far. They're one in 20, but Ashley has some ideas for how they can exact some success from what has been a very, very difficult season. And we're going to continue our lead up to ship selection night, Thursday night ship selection night at 6 p.m. there at the Naval Academy. We're going to talk to Connor Simpson, Will Clark, and Jonas Greer of Navy Water Polo about what their ship selections might be and the things that they're considering. And the fact that as future SWOs, they're already walking around the yard in coveralls, binoculars around their neck, because SWO doesn't suck, ladies and gentlemen, you suck. So without any further ado, Wags, let's talk about the week that was. What a fun weekend on the yard. Um, You and I got to cover men's basketball. We'll talk about that here in a second. I was able to go into Dahlgren and check out wrestling where wrestling defeated Hofstra 21 to 12. And we also got to check out gymnastics, punking William and Mary uh, there in Halsey. But Wags, I mentioned it at the, t- at the top. We talked last week about how Ed DeCellis' guys had turned frowns upside down. They put the fun back into fundamentals. They won three straight. They were on the cusp of possibly being five and five in the conference and sitting at the top half of the standings and they drop a tough one to American American just started raining threes at the end and wags. It turned out to be another tough loss for men's basketball at a time that they needed a really tough win. Yeah. I was hoping that Navy could get on a real winning streak here. That, that game was a real downer and you cannot lose at home, John. That's the, the killer losing your home games. It's hard enough in this league to go on the road and get a win, but you can't, lose at home. It was a nice crowd. They were getting great support. And it's like kind of the game just got away from Navy. Give credit to American. They played very well offensively. And it came back to what Ed DeCellis has decried all season. The defense is just not where it needs to be. And he was angry because, you know, American runs that Princeton style offense, a lot of back cuts, the screens, et cetera. 
Um, they, you know, it's designed to either get shots going to the basket or three pointers. And, you know, they spent two days working on how to defend American, what they wanted to do. And coach Chellis felt like they didn't execute the defensive game plan. And, uh, American had 40 points in the paint. I mean, it's my God. And as you know, coach Chella said, we did our post players got school and that's the bottom line. They gave up way too much. Matt Rogers, the inside guy for American was nine for nine from the field. Didn't miss a shot. Uh, but Navy is in, in crunch time now needs to, to string together wins and move up into the top half of the standings. Uh, and that, why that you we had talked about this that's why american hurt uh and ed even mentioned it in the postgame presser we win this we're tied with american at five and five instead american moves further up the standings and navy down so very disappointing loss that game john we do have a quick update about men's basketball from last night right when wags and i like to kick them when they're down they surprise us and come back up Led by Daniel Deaver's 16 points, Navy defeated Lafayette 53-34 to last night. Ugh, pillow fight. But in all honesty, 11 points allowed in the second half by Navy's defense. You know, like Ed DeCello says and like Bill Wagner says when he writes articles about it, defense is the key with this team. Uh, Deaver had a great game. Yoder with an all-around game. Nine points off the bench for Christian Jones of Annapolis, but that was it. No other bench scoring, not a whole lot of scoring at all, but enough uh, for a 53-34 to win, a really stout defensive effort by Navy, and uh, just what they needed in order to come back from that really, really bad loss to America. Some other results from the weekend. Women's tennis smoked Morgan State, dropping a 7-0 bagel on them. Uh, What a good result there. And then wrestling turned right back around on Sunday and beat Binghamton 19 to 18 in a really close, closely fought match, Uh, which reminds me next week, we are going to have Navy wrestling heavyweight Grady Grice uh, on the podcast. We can talk to him about his successes this year and what his goals are uh, going forward. He was named this week, the NAAA uh, athlete of the week. Um, the last duel against uh, Binghamton came down to Grady Grice and 21st-ranked Corey Day. Grice ended up getting a huge win there, um, ends up flipping the uh, script. Navy was down 18-16. Grice gets his win. Navy wins the entire meet 1918. Congrats to him and Kerry Colat. We're going to talk to Grady Grice next week. But... Without any further ado, let's get to our interviews this week. We are talking to Will Clark, Connor Simpson, and Jonas Greer of Navy Water Polo about ship selection night. Uh, We're going to talk to them about their hopes and dreams in terms of home port, uh, wink, wink, San Diego, California, and also where they're picking in the process and what is great about being a surface warfare officer, spoiler alert, instant leadership. So without any further ado, let's talk to the seniors of Navy Water Polo about their ship selection night dreams. We are here with Jonas Greer, Will Clark, and Connor Simpson of Navy Water Polo. Uh, we've already bothered Will a ton this year as the co-captain. We had to put him on. Uh, we had to put him on camera, put him on video. We haven't ever talked to Jonas, 
So Jonas, walk us through. The three of you are the only three water polo seniors picking ships. Walk me through your personal journey. Like, have you always wanted to be a SWO? How did it evolve when you got here? And what did you want to do in terms of career choice? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it's definitely been like a tumultuous three, four years. I think the nerves are starting to heat up, but um, I think all of us are pretty excited to go SWO. It's a great community, great culture, get to travel the world, great opportunities, um, great people to lead. And I think that's what we're all excited to do is go lead like a division of sailors. The most immediate leadership we've always said, even when I was a lieutenant running this, the most immediate leadership and the most flexibility you have, in my opinion, is going swell. You're not stashed up at like Saratoga going to nuke school. You're not waiting for your primary to start in Pensacola for three years. You're immediately leading. You're getting your surface pin faster than any other you know, classmate of yours can really get a warfare designation pin which then allows you to go to another community should you want, like laterally transferring to medical corps or JAG or public affairs, things like that. Connor, you know, you've had four years here as well. I can't imagine you know, any other dream in your head other than standing watch on a ship, cigarette in your mouth, binoculars on there, coveralls, and you're just like, you're telling some bosun mate chief what's up. Like, what are your thoughts uh, as as we go into uh, ship selection night here in a couple of days? And what are you thinking of picking? Yeah, I mean, this is kind of like the next big step in uh, my future career. So I'm just like really excited for it. Uh, I've heard all the hype surrounding it. It should be a real fun night. Um, excited to be able to share it with Will and Jonas here. Um, and I think I'm just hoping to pick a ship out of San Diego. That's kind of the number one priority right now. So Yeah, spoiler alert, I talked to the guys before this, and San Diego seems to be the choice. Now, I have been covering ship selection night now for 22 years, and there is always like a, you know, it's sort of a, a push for either home ports or ship platforms, or you want to be with your roommate or, you know, people are like love chitting onto a ship like, hey, I have to be there with my fiance. What are some of the things that you guys are hearing in the hall about, you know, what's more important? Is it ship selection now, type of platform? Do people want to launch Tomahawks or do people just want to go to the Shore Club in San Diego, which is what I would recommend? <laughs> Will, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I think for everyone, it's a little different um, where their priorities lie. Uh, I think for the most part, a lot of people are, are using home port as their number one priority because I think that has probably the biggest impact on your life is, you know, where you're living when you're not out to sea. Um, but, you know, certain people, they want that DDG life or a specific platform. Um, and then obviously you have the people here and there that are following their spouse, significant other around. So everyone's a little different, but I think definitely home port is the biggest driver. So, um, yeah, it's going to be an exciting night for sure. So Jonas, you're like the smart kid of the group and, and we'll, you know, we won't even mock. I, I can't mock like smart kids woes. So you're picking in the eighties, which is pretty damn good. You know, what, what is your thought process? Actually, what's the number? Thirties. Thirties. That's right. Um, so yeah, we're going to stuff him in his locker and take his uh, lunch money after this. <laughs> but Jonas, from your perspective, you kind of have your pick of the litter. You said San Diego from there. What information have you gotten from the lieutenants, from your SWO practicum course, which is now about a month old here? You know, what are, what are the things that you put into your thought calculus as you're going to make this decision? Because as we were talking about before we recorded, you could be on this ship for the next five years of your life. So this is kind of a major decision. Yeah, I mean, I'll start off by saying I'm definitely uh, 
I think Will and Connor are definitely smarter than me in probably most aspects of life. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm excited to – I think going to San Diego would be a great opportunity. One, it'll be with these guys, be with a lot of guys from Navy Water Polo. Great opportunities out there, great connections. Um, being by the beach, I love um, all my Maryland people, but I think it would be good to get back to the Pacific and away from this cold, gloomy weather. Um, <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it's like I mean, it's like this entire team is from California, so I'm not shocked that you all want to go out to San Diego. Um, you know, Will and Connor are actually picking more in the 80s. You, Jonas, are in the 30s. For you guys, you know, you've talked about maybe picking with a buddy, trying to get onto the same ship. How important is it, you know, after four years of IHTFP at this joint, you know, like, all of a sudden, you're like, oh, well, you know, if I'm going to go through more pain out in the fleet, I'd rather be with my blood brothers here at the Naval Academy. How much has that factored in for you, like being around friends? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a huge part of it. Um, I'm, like Jonas said, definitely looking forward, um, hopefully going to San Diego with these two guys. And then um, I think, like we learned this past summer with training trip in San Diego, we have so many teammates there. It'll just be so much fun to get back and reconnect with them and I think that's part of the reason what I'm looking forward to in picking San Diego and I'm sure the same with the other two guys as well. So. All right so before we go out Will if you add your druthers you walked up there no one's picked your dream ship again this isn't going to really come out and I don't think any of your classmates listen to this podcast anyway but yeah you know, say you've got your dream ship what's sitting up there on the board when you walk up what do you want to be on? Uh, I definitely want to be on an LPD. Um, I think the Amphib life suits me, um, at least for the first tour. We'll see, make, make another decision a couple years down the road after getting my pin. But yeah, any of the uh, LPDs out of San Diego, preferably one that's uh, you know not going into dry dock. I'd like to get out, of, get out to sea and get a couple deployments under my belt, um, get my pin a little quicker. Um, but yeah, any of those LPDs that are uh, in that right life, uh, stage of their life cycle would be definitely my choice see we're not we're not dodging deployments up in here we want to go to australia we want to go to phuket thailand um yeah water polo just has their priorities straight jonas i know picking up that high that number one you know what ship you want so what's that going to be and number two like what sort of nerd fest do you go to afterwards for guys who are picking in the 30s <laughs> i think i'm riding with will i'm gonna pick an lpd out of uh out of a san diego and um you know it'd be cool to go to Australia, maybe me and my wife, some good opportunities like that. Oh, see, the priorities are straight here at Water Polo, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Connor, take us out and actually save us from ourselves, because I think we're going to, like, start Jonas's, uh, you know, dating site in Australia here. It's ship selection night, boys, not wife selection night. So, Connor, what are your thoughts? What would be your dream ship, uh, yeah, if it's available on Thursday night? Yeah, I think I've, I've done some thinking about this. Um, um, I come to the point where I think I want to go destroyer in San Diego and the highest whole number possible. That's, that's what I've been hearing, so that's what I'm shooting for. Newer is better, ladies and gentlemen, as we all know. Hey, in the words of Lieutenant Rob Hubert and Lieutenant John Schofield back in the day, ladies and gentlemen, slow doesn't suck, you suck. We'll see you on Thursday night for Ship Selection Night for Jonas Greer, Will Clark, and Connor Simpson. I am John Schofield. All right, Sing Second fans, a few announcements from our friends at the Naval Academy Athletic Association. Speaking of men's basketball, the Navy men's basketball team returns to Alumni Hall Wednesday, February 8th for a 7 p.m. tilt with Bucknell. 
The first 100 fans will receive the fifth poster in our poster series. For tickets, call 1-800-US-4-NAVY or visit NavySports.com. And there's still time to purchase your tickets for the Army-Navy basketball doubleheader on Saturday, February 11th. But hurry, tickets are going fast. And for Sing Second podcast fans, NAAA is offering a special discounted ticket. Just log on to NavySports.com, click the Tickets tab, and enter the special promo code SINGSECOND when ordering your tickets for just $10. Now back to the pod. All right. Awesome conversation there. Really, really have have come to form some bonds this year with some of the water polo players. A great bunch of dudes, well coached by Louis Nicolau, of course, a graduate of this fine institution. Hey, so let's talk about Navy women's basketball. Unfortunately, Navy women's basketball dropped another one um, this past week to American University as Navy men's basketball was losing at home to American the women traveled down Route 50 um, to Northwest DC and dropped one to Americans 62 to 55. Of all of their results this year, they really, really hung in on this one, but still they're one in 20. Let's talk to Ashley Pelzik, just like we did with Mike Heary a couple of weeks ago, ladies and gentlemen. Wanted to bring in Ashley as she is a luminary of the program, former captain and sharpshooting three-pointer. Uh, three-point expert, kind of like Jade Geif and her career 0-for-1 average. But in all seriousness, Ashley, welcome back to the podcast. And there's no real delicate way of putting it, right? The team's 1-20, and um, and it's a struggle. And they've had injuries, and they're young. From your perspective, someone who not only was involved in mentoring the team at the beginning of the season, which we talked about, you went to the BU game up there in Boston that they lost 81 or 84 to 41. How do you evaluate what's going on and how do these girls put the pedal to the metal still to maintain motivation during a tough season? Yeah. Well, it's good to be back. Thanks for having me. It's uh, you, you, you said it absolutely right. It's there's no easy way to put it. There's really no, you know, after after watching them play recently, it's really hard to put my finger on what what the issues are. I mean, I'm I'm seeing a team of really strong players. Um, there's definitely talent there. There's youth. We knew that going into the season, um, but we've seen that before in Navy history. You know, even the the class two years before me, they came in as five freshmen and um, were fairly successful and continued to be successful. So I don't want to chalk it up to youth. You know, looking back on it today, I did some some soul searching for them. And, you know, they've had a couple, they had a really tough COVID rebuilding season. And I think that really carried momentum into last season. And what I, what I kind of attribute it to is you've now got a senior class and a, ju- a couple of juniors who really haven't been on a very successful Navy team. And I think there's something to be said for being a young player um, and having that seniority to look up to and understand, you know, what, what does it take for the team to be successful? And I don't know that that exists on the team right now. Um, and it's, you know, not, you know, it's really not trying to be a hit on the seniors or anything like that. It's just, they haven't been the starters on a team that's been really successful at Navy. And I think that's the difference with the team this year. Um, I think the bright side is you're seeing a lot of really, really great things from some of the freshmen. They're young, so they're figuring it out still. Um, but they'll continue to build momentum and I see a really strong future for them. Um, do I think it's enough to get them to any real serious contention this year? I, I just don't see it. I don't see um, that spark that you really see in some of those teams. And I hope they prove me wrong. I hope we get to that point. But that's, 
in a sort of big picture, that's my take on what I've seen so far. You've had the opportunity to talk to me about Marin Loritas in her last game against American, four for 16 from the floor, three for 10 from long range for 12 points. She has been, you know, one of those bright lights, one of those freshmen uh, making an impact along with Kate Sampson and some others. How do you keep from your perspective as an alumnus, you know, you put yourself into Tim Taylor's shoes or any of the assistant coaches' shoes. How do you keep these freshmen motivated to get through the dark ages of the Naval Academy, number one? That's hard enough. The academics of second semester plebe year, also hard enough. And then you're on a one in 20 team. You're on the road. You've got the thick of a really hard Patriot League schedule still ahead of you. How do you keep them motivated? Yeah, it's an excellent question. So I'll start that one sort of back to front. I, you know, I talked to Coach Taylor after the BU loss and a little bit before. And, you know, despite what they've been going through, I will say they do seem that, that they're carrying this positivity still in a way that's helpful, you know, not in a sort of false positive way, but in a way that I'm encouraged to see that they still are going to go out there and give their all every day. And he said that's been consistent in practice. I definitely saw it in parts of the BU game. It wasn't that they didn't show up. I will say for that game specifically, I've never seen a team shoot that well from the field ever, you know, in person on TV. Um, it was just an absolute lights out show um, from the, the BU, BU women. So hats off to them. They were very strong. But, you know, I do see some fight still from our from our team. And I think that's where I'll segue back into your, you know, the first part of your question. I think what I worry about the most with a young team like this is that they put too much on their shoulders. They know they're talented. They know they're putting in a lot of minutes. Um, my hope for them is that they don't feel this too strongly. As you said, there's a lot going on. A freshman at the Naval Academy or a plebe is unlike anywhere else. They've got really rigorous academics, incredibly grueling schedule. I think the week after when they played Army, they ended up staying on the road after BU. So missing classes, you know, that's stressful um, in a lot of ways, even if you're not feeling it. I certainly struggled a bit second semester plebe year. It sounds like these girls are doing fairly well. Um, so it sounds like they've got all of their priorities straight and they're staying encouraged. And that's all you can really ask at that point. So I'm glad they've got Coach Taylor there. He's a strong leader. The other assistant coaches are doing their part. It's really a matter of how do you find the strength in this team so that while the rest of this season may not be as successful as you had hoped, how do you carry this into starting off on the right foot next year? And I would say that would be my primary focus as both a leader on the team as well as a coach to really get these girls set up well or these women for next year. What? Well, I think Pels has hit it on the head with the seniors. Um, Amani Edwards, it's interesting because Saturday is senior day, uh, the final home game, and seniors will be honored. Amani Edmonds hasn't played the entire season. She suffered a season-ending injury. Uh, and Lindsay Llewellyn just came back. She's played in six games, and her return has boosted the team a little bit because she provides some scoring punch. So really, it's only been Mimi Schrader there um, for most of the season. I'm curious, Pels, obviously, Marin Loritis has shown quite a bit, uh, very talented, and I like what I see out of Kate Sampson. I'm curious what you think of some of the other freshmen. There's M Morgan Demos. There's uh, Gia Passat. There's several other freshmen. Do you feel, because I think Shannon Clark is another, because uh, Coach Taylor seemed to think that this was similar to when Coach Pemper brought in that great class of Kara Pollinger and... Audrey Bauer and Jay Geif and Alex Membrano. And that was the building blocks for success. I He felt like this freshman class would be the building blocks for success. Do you feel there's across the board talent or is it just, you know, 
Marin Loritis, Cape Sampson. And of course, I'm also curious, I think we, when we talked to you earlier in the year, you said you saw this team in preseason. Tony Paparonis was out for the season after about five minutes of the first game. I never, ever saw her play, so I don't know anything about her, but Coach Taylor seemed to think she was the straw that stirs the drink. No, that's that's exactly right. I think one of the things, and I, kudos to Mimi, because she has really stepped into a role as a starting point guard when that's not really her true position. Um, and I think that is a huge reason that you just highlighted, Wags, with the loss of a point guard, a true point guard, a true scoring, you know, feisty defensive point guard early in the season. Um, it's, again, not a, not a slant at Mimi. She brings so many strong qualities to the team, um, and she's a very effective leader. That's just not her position. It's really difficult to do all of those things and play a position that's not in your you know, most strongest comfort level. Um, and so, again, I think that's what's contributing significantly. I, if I had to put my finger on one thing, it would be that point guard position. Um, teams I played on at Navy, I think of you know, Courtney Davidson. I think of Lauren Skrell. The, the players I played with that were both the toughest on the court also expected the most out of their teammates. And they had a very good way of communicating that in a way that made you want to step up you know, whether it was defensively uh, for me most of the time uh, or, you know, just get in their rebound. Um, they held us accountable. And that's the second piece. I don't see that. I don't see that person that is just taking the team on their back aside from scoring. You know, I'm seeing that from Sydney Watts, seeing that from Marin, but probably in a way where they're trying to do too much. And I think that's making them less effective as players and as a team. I feel, I really personally feel when I watch Marin play that, she is, she is very strong. She is a, a big reason why this team has had some scoring success. But I think they're putting a little bit, not intentionally, too much on her. Um, and I think that's in a way that's not allowing her to be as strong as she would be if they had that balanced point guard position. They're really one scorer away. They've got size inside. They've got you know a fairly strong defensive team. They're just missing these one or two key players. And I do see a lot of hope for that for the future. And I do see some other freshmen that are contributing, um, specifically the ones you mentioned. They're just, they need some maturing. You know, Kate, Kate's learning uh, how to play with some of the, the other bigs in the game at this level, and she'll get there. She's very strong. Um, but the BU game was a good show of just, they, we were weak across the board in that game. That was a really tough game. Uh, BU certainly outmatched us, you know, every single well, position. To your point, Pels, like I went and looked at the box score. In the second quarter, BU shot 12 for 19 from the floor, 6 for 9 from 3. And then in the third quarter, they went 10 for 16 from the floor, one for two from three, over 60% shooting. To your point, they really shot lights out. Before we let you go, Pels, because I know you got to go, if this team's one in 20 and you know, you're, you're looking at the dark ages, you're looking at all these things we were just talking about, how much are you just circling the February 11th star game against Army as your Super Bowl or are you still trying to play Patriot League spoiler? I know what Coach Taylor would say, but you as a player, is it just about punking Army at this point and getting on to next year? I think both are possible. You know, I think both. I think the. I think you really have to take the rest of the Patriot League schedule very seriously as a buildup to Army, because Army's going to come into that game wanting to win the star badly. Um, Army in general has really come back uh, from the star game failures that they had last year. And I don't think this is any different. I think that was probably a huge priority at Army and at West Point, if I had to guess, from their entire uh, athletic department on down. Um, so I would say that it's imperative that they do well and show some level of improvement in these remaining Patriot League games in order to beat Army. And I think both are true. And I think they'll, they'll focus on both. 
Ladies and gentlemen, that was Ashley Pelzik, class of 06, friend of the pod and great basketball analyst. Again, Pels, welcome back from your world travels and thank you for being our voice of reason with women's basketball. Hopefully we'll see you back down in Annapolis soon. I have all of Jade Geif's gear here for you uh, from her number retirement ceremony. But again, we'll bring you back uh, as the season ends to do the uh, season recap. But thank you again for uh, doing what you do for the Naval Academy and for the women on this team. Hey, it was my pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Ashley Pelzik. We're going to go to break. When we come back, we are going to talk to Joe Amplo of Navy Lacrosse. This is Sing Second Sports. All right, Sing Second fans, you just heard John and Ashley talk about how important that Army-Navy game will be. And as we mentioned before, it is not too late to get those Army-Navy tickets, but you need to hurry because they are going fast. Don't miss out on one of the best rivalries in sports to hit the hardwood. And for Sing Second fans, you get a special $10 ticket deal to go to both games in the doubleheader. Just log on to NavySports.com, click the Tickets tab, and enter the special promo code SINGSECOND to get those $10 tickets. Also, don't forget, NAAA has lined up a ton of exciting halftime performances in February. Join them on February 11th as the Firecrackers Jump Rope Team performs at halftime of both of those Army-Navy games. And then on February 18th, watch as Bill and his mascot friends playing a game of pickup basketball during halftime of the Loyola contest as part of Mascot Mayhem. And finally, watch the world-famous Ex-Pogo Pogo Stick Stunt Team perform at halftime of the game on February 25th against Colgate. For tickets to these games and to make sure that you don't miss out on any of the halftime fun, call 1-800-US-4-NAVY or visit NavySports.com. Now back to the pod. All right. Awesome conversation with Pels. Here is, ladies and gentlemen, our conversation with Joe Amplo, the head coach of Navy Lacrosse. When we are done with that interview, Wags and I are going to do our own preview of what to expect from Navy Lacrosse this season. Here is Joe Amplo, the head coach. So happy to have Joe Amplo on the pod. Coach, first of all, walk us through how your offseason was and what what is your outlook for the 2023 campaign where you probably have a, a lot of high expectations? preseason rankings um they're nice for people to talk about but quite frankly they don't mean anything you know the, the season's going to start here on saturday and we're going to find out who belongs where eventually we are excited though i think there's bit there's a ton of potential with this group we had a terrific off season i thought it was our best fall here uh with our staff i, I truly believe this senior class has taken the reins of this program and uh and they've got something to prove and each day they've brought that standard of work to to uh, to the practice field, to the meeting rooms, uh, just to being around the team. So I, I think that allows us to have a tremendous amount of excitement. So amidst that excitement uh, is, you know, very full schedule. Hopkins uh, coming in right around uh, St. Patty's Day there. Who are some of the seniors that you're looking at? Who's your team captain? Um, and and. Yeah, you know, how are you relying on them? And and I, I I really hope this is the last time I have to ask this question. But finally, a group that's kind of coming out of COVID, you know, a normal preseason, no you know ROM time in the hall. Do you do you really feel that this senior class is ready to just break out of several years of COVID cloud? 
Yeah, I do. And um, I think that's that's in the rearview mirror. You know, and we're back to normal. We've been back to normal. Uh, and it, the guys we're relying on, you know, folks like Kyle Fairbanks, who's one of our, our captains, who's going to wear number 40 in honor of Brendan Looney, um, which is a tremendous honor. Pat Skalniak, obviously, he's a great player, but he's also a terrific leader. He's our second captain. But it's other guys that that truly, I think, will make the difference for us. Guys like Sam Jackleby, Dom Cole, Bill Arnold. They tr- they care about this team so much. Nate Hammond, you know, and they play small roles on game day, uh, and they fight for time, and they'll do whatever we ask. But truly, they are the the, the fabric and the pulse and heartbeat of this program. What a special event! And I chronicled it, or I watched it on social media. The you know the bestowing of the number forty jersey at Arlington National Cemetery. The team out there. For those who didn't watch that. Talk to the listeners about, or those who didn't see it, talk to the listeners about what that ceremony was like. Was it the whole team out at Arlington? And what did you guys do? Yeah, it was the whole team. And it was the highlight of a day-long kind of team-building event down in D.C. Um, I'd spoken to the Looney family. And since I've been the head coach here, I've been blessed to, to be able to, to develop a really very good relationship with the entire Looney family. And in the past, We've done the awarding of 40 in a more private uh, individual ceremony, um, but I felt like something was missing. You know, we have this opportunity to go visit Brendan. Uh, it's, it's not far. It's, it's, uh, it's not inconvenient. So I wanted to be able to bring the team there. And I asked the Looney family if they would be uh, okay with that. And they jumped at it. They were excited. And, uh, and both, you know, both the girls were there. Uh, Mr. Looney was there. Obviously, um, Billy and Stephen are, are serving our country and, and doing some some things that they couldn't get to. But um, but it was a terrific event. Uh, and I, I don't say event. I w- it was a great moment. It was a great moment for for our team to express gratitude, appreciate the position that they're in, understand sacrifice, uh, and really put things in perspective. And also honor the legacy of uh, of one of the greatest players and, and teammates this this institution has ever seen. An incredible legacy it is for sure. And and I just so appreciate how much you've reached out and tried to make that a part of the fabric of this lacrosse program. This lacrosse program, ladies and gentlemen, kicks off against Mount St. Mary's on Saturday, February fourth at noon. Would encourage you to come out to Navy Marine Corps Stadium. But coach, some X's and O's. You got to scrimmage what a lot of people think is the most mega team in many, many years in terms of Virginia. Um, Although a friend of mine, John Tillman in College Park, would have something to say about that. But whether it's College Park or Charlottesville, we're talking about teams with still five, six-year seniors, transfers, you know, guys who should basically be playing in like Major League Lacrosse or the PLL. what was that scrimmage like without giving away any trade secrets? What was it like competing against the preseason number one ranked team in the country? Look, it's a great opportunity. They are extremely talented. Uh, traditionally, they're one of the more athletic, if not the most athletic team in the country. They give teams fits um, in a lot of different ways. And they have experience. They have high the highest of expectations. They've got the most experience. Uh, and quite frankly, may, maybe the, the, the most talent on paper. Um, for for any team. So we knew it was going to be a challenge. And going in, our goal was just to be able to compete, find moments of success, understand there's going to be moments of failure, but really walk away from that scrimmage saying we've grew as a team. 
We prove something to ourselves with our, our potential and we're going to learn from the mistakes. And, and that really was what, what happened. You know, there were moments of success, more moments certainly than last year when we, when we scrimmaged those guys. Um, and not just for the guys who we would put out there first, as we started to sub each lineup provided glimpses of, okay, this could, there's something here, you know, and also moments of, oh man, what are we doing? But that's typical when you're playing Virginia uh, or any team at this point of the year. It's still early. But I think the, the positive is everybody stepped on that field, showed something to us, and we've just gotten out of ca- – we have to capture that potential and, uh, and put it together for 60 minutes. One of the players is going to help you put it together for 60 minutes in 2023 is the starting quarterback in the Army-Navy game. Um, talk to us a little bit about Xavier Arline and how you think you're going to manage his load this year on top of him as we talked in the last pod about him participating in spring football. And I made a joke like, hey, the guys from the era of Jimmy Lewis and like, you know, Phil Henderson and all those dudes who like double sported it and then like asked for seconds and thirds, you know, they kind of think that that's you know, just normal operating procedure. We haven't seen that here in a while Talk to us a little bit about the process and how you guys are going to manage this together. Well, first of all, all the credits goes to Xavier because he has um, he's truly grown into a mature midshipman. First of all, he's got a handle on this institution. He's doing he's got solid footing in, in the classroom. He's a presence within his company. And I think that's allowed him to to be able to focus on being the athlete he wants to be. I think his success at the end of the semester in football um, kind of gave him a glimpse to the confidence that he knew he had inside of him. And he stepped onto the, into the lacrosse operation with, you know, truthfully just a different presence about him. You know, he's been extremely engaging. He's been healthy, which has helped, right? He's been at every single practice. So his health, which was in question last year coming to us, hasn't deterred him from jumping with two feet into our operation. And he's been extremely present. But also, I just sense this tremendous amount of maturity uh, from him, different than last year. And I don't, I don't want to say he was immature last year. I just think he didn't know. He didn't have an understanding of what playing two sports at the academy was like. He had no idea about college lacrosse. He's coming off an injury in football. So there were a number of different challenges. Now he's got his head right where it needs to be. His heart's engaged. Um And he's a terrific talent. You know, he really is. He's a terrific talent on the field. And I've got the highest of expectations for him individually and his ability to impact our team uh, in the long run. Any discussions with Coach Newberry about his load, about what you're doing? Or have you kind of been given carte blanche to to coach this elite athlete the way that you think he should be coached? You know, I I am uh, smart enough to know, uh, as dumb as I am, I'm smart enough to know how important Navy football is. And uh, and we are their biggest fans. You know, certainly sharing a building with them is is terrific just to get to know their operation. Um, So I wouldn't even question that I should not talk to Coach Newberry before we even thought about Xavier playing lacrosse. And right after the holidays, Brian and I did have a great conversation and he was all for it. And he, you know, what he said to me is I'm not going to take away a kid's dream. We promised him this opportunity when we recruited him and I'm a man of my word and we're going to give this young man an opportunity. However, we got to talk about what that looks like. And Brian and I came up with a plan that we think is workable, but it's also a moving target, right? It is a, it's a living document. And he, right now he's slated to be at uh, most spring practices I think close to all of them, truthfully. 
Um, there might be one or two that he'll miss. But at that time of year, the hope is as X continues to be engaged and grows as a lacrosse player, that it's it's going to be an added, it's going to be an added bonus for him because playing football is a different animal than lacrosse. You know, he doesn't have to get beat with a stick every day in practice. He can go over to football, take a couple of snaps under center, chuck a couple of balls. Hopefully they put uh, a red jersey on him and keep him safe. But I think it's going to be, it's going to, we're looking at the positive of it. You know, it's not about, he's not going to be with us for those days. It's more about, Hey, he's got this opportunity. He's going to get some rest from lacrosse. Um, and we just got to be mindful, you know, that there's some wear on the tires and there might be a limit to what his body can handle. So we just got to look for those warning signs. Well, coach, I think we should fire Eric Catani and Keenan Reynolds from the Navy football podcast. You and I could definitely go in there and do it, you know, with our knowledge of the game, chuck a few balls, get under center. Let's Just, do it. Honey, chuck it, get under center, snap it, pitch it. I mean, we got it, you know? <laughs> well, coach, you mentioned sharing a building with football has led to a better cohesion, um, you know, across all the athletic programs, but you're not going to have to share a building with uh, them very much longer Small news item coming out of the new year was a $22 million effort to get a new building just for lacrosse, something that I have said, even my dad used to say, and he hated Navy lacrosse. Like, why don't they have their own building? Well, that's coming. Um, and I'll tell you what, the renderings, the video, everything was so impressive. You know, all joking aside about Karen Gabera losing her amazing view from Glenn Warner, that building is just beautiful. You know, talk to me a little bit about, you know, when you were first informed about this effort, what your contributions have been and what you think this will do to change the game for Navy lacrosse. Well, I appreciate you saying all those things. And I agree with you. It is a, you know, it's a monumental moment for us to get that out to the public. Um, I think it's a great step forward. And also, you know, to Chet, to, to point out Chet's comments about just reaffirming, the commitment to Navy lacrosse and the future success and the expectations within the program. I think that this, this is a statement for that. Um, you know, th this discussion started four years ago with Chet and I, when I was interviewing, I had a vision for this and, um, and he quickly agreed with it, but we knew that we needed some, some help. We needed some support financially. And, and we were lucky enough to secure a, a family that, truthfully believed in the vision of this project. I think that's the thing I'm most grateful for. You look, financial resources are important. We know that. And we couldn't do this project or even think about it without those resources. However, the thing I'm most grateful for is that it's a shared vision and it's a shared commitment to that vision because there's belief in the project. And I know that there's other significant potentially donors out there. And my only hope is that those folks listen and understand the vision for this project. Because I think once people do get behind it, I think they can really feel the excitement and the impact it can have on midshipmen, Navy lacrosse for generations. And that's, that's truly what, what this is. This is a, this is a generational moment for our program to, uh, to kind of plant our flag saying we want to compete with the best for forevermore. Yeah, coach, I completely agree with you. I was walking around the Maryland campus uh, last night where Maryland beat Indiana in basketball. Shout out Scott Strassmeyer, but not a big deal. But you walk by Cole Fieldhouse and you see the facilities that the athletes have at Maryland. And, and you immediately have to think, how are we going to get recruits to Annapolis, Maryland? 
Um, there are all these things that stand in the way. 9-11 is further in the rearview mirror every day. In fact, your recruits today weren't even born um, you know, when 9-11 happened. Um, you've got you know, Congress trying to mandate service instead of pursuing pro sports. You know, so you've got an uphill battle in terms of recruiting. You know, I don't know if you had something like this at Marquette, but for you, how much does this building help you to recruit? Well, you know, I look at it in a different way. Certainly the recruiting aspect on the front end, it's important. It's valuable. I think it speaks to if you're a recruit, you're going to be treated in a first-class, world-class manner here. But more I look at it in terms of development. And, and regarding this building, every detail was thought of in just simply how do we develop our midshipmen at a faster rate than our peers? Because we have to do that. We're in the business of recruiting, but the business we have to be best in is player development. When those young men get in the door, we have to develop them at a faster rate than our peers if we're going to expect to have the highest expectations in our sport. In order to do that, we have to give them the resources necessary for strength and conditioning, for recovery, for team building. If we want to build a great team, we have to look for intimate different ways to build team and gather and leverage that. And that's what this building does. It answers all of those questions. So when a midshipman, male or female, comes in and is a lacrosse player, they can have the expectation that they're going to be pushed and challenged to develop at the highest rate possible. And this facility allows us to, to, to provide that opportunity for them. Well, Coach, we're really excited to continue to bring people coverage, not only of the building, but of the season. Again, Mount St. Mary's on Saturday. Uh, at noon. I'll be there. Uh, can't wait uh, to see the season kick off like that. Coach, any last words? You know, your, your, your players are going to be picking ships tomorrow night on ship selection night. They got their envelopes in November. You've had a couple of seasons now to watch these players go through the process that you just described and go out into the fleet and Marine Corps and make a difference. You know, as, as you talk to the listeners about how special your job is, what are your thoughts about 2023 and how great a place the Naval Academy is? I mean, look, like tomorrow night is one of the highlights of the year for us. You're just as service selection is one of the highlights and, and probably the biggest highlight will be us visiting Arlington a couple of weeks ago. But I do think that there's a, a long list of tremendous moments that this team is going to share and also be able to share publicly and my hope is that as the season continues, this bandwagon around Navy lacrosse just gets bigger and bigger because this group is going to make you proud. I think you're going to really enjoy cheering and rallying around them as the season continues. We'll be a part of that megaphone, Coach. Ladies and gentlemen, please contribute to this effort to give Navy lacrosse the best facility, the best building on the yard. Right now, it looks pretty sweet. Coach, thank you so much for your time, and we can't wait to talk to you again as the season goes on. Good luck. Thanks, buddy. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Joe Amplo, head coach of Navy Lacrosse. We're going to go to break. When we come back, Wags, Chris, and I will bring this out. This is Sing Second Sports. All right, Sing Second fans, one last set of announcements from NAAA. As you just heard John and Coach Amplo talk about, we are ready to start lacrosse season, and Navy men's lacrosse tickets are on sale now. Join us at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium all spring long as the men's lacrosse team plays host to eight exciting home games, including matchups with Army and Johns Hopkins. For tickets, call 1-800-US-4-NAVY or visit navysports.com. Now back to the pod. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we're back. 
Awesome conversation with Coach Amplo. Wags, let's go to you. You are writing the preview um, for Navy Lacrosse as we talk, actually. Um, and ladies and gentlemen, if you want to read the best Navy Lacrosse preview out there, you can look for Wags' story in the Capital Gazette. It'll probably run in the Baltimore Sun as well, as it will be the most encyclopedic preview of Navy men's lacrosse. Wags, over to you. We talked to Amp. You heard from him. How do you replace Nick Cole? He's really excited about the seniors and the co-captains this coming year. The ceremony to, to bestow Brendan Looney's jersey, um, you know, and, and the new building. For you, beyond those really nice things, the X's and O's, how does this team get to the NCAA tournament this year and possibly win the Patriot League preseason ranked third? How do they go postseason ranked one? Well, I think this is a very important season for Navy lacrosse. This is the fourth year under head coach Joe Amplo. Obviously, he took over in a COVID year, which was very difficult. So in his inaugural season of 2020, Navy only played six seasons. So that was almost basically not a season. Um, then the last two seasons, Navy's played good lacrosse, uh, had winning records, but made the Patriot League tournament, which is positive, but lost to the Patriot League quarterfinals both 2021 and 2022 i feel this is an important year to take the next step both within the patriot league and nationally i'd like to see navy ranked in the inside lacrosse media poll um they've got the talent this is the most depth talent and experience that coach amplos had since he's been here and you mentioned nick cole was a lone starter that navy graduated he's a tackman but there's plenty of talent coming back on attack. We've talked all about Xavier Arline, and I know Coach talked about him. But there's other good attackmen. Uh, Henry Tolker was a lefty shooter, kind of like a sniper, a catch-and-shoot guy. He's a very good player. John Jaros, big, big boy out of Severn School. He's started a lot of games on attack, and they've got a freshman that they love. He's a... Southern Anne Arundel County resident went to St. John's College, which is now a powerhouse in lacrosse. John, out of nowhere, St. John's DC is might be the top program in the Baltimore and DC areas overall. But this Mac Haley kid is legit, and uh, he's pushing Tolker for a starting spot on the left side. He's a very dynamic attackman, uh, whereas Tolker's more of a catch and shoot guy. Mac Haley is a dodger. And you always want as many Dodgers as you can get out on the field. They're talking about running Tolker out of the midfield box and having him play some midfield because that's how good Haley is. They want to get him on the field. And then you've got a powerhouse first midfield returning, led by Skowniak, the All-American. But Max Hewitt and Dane Swanson are very good as well. And Navy returns the defense entirely intact. Uh, you know, Jackson Bonas, the other All-American, is the leader. But, you know, you got Nick Lacalzi, uh, you know, the guy wearing number 40. The, you mentioned about the, uh, the Brendan Looney. Kyle, Kyle Fairbanks. Yeah. Was, what, a, what a tough kid that is. When, when you saw the video of him at Arlington Cemetery getting the jersey, that's a kid I want suiting up as a long stick midi and a captain. That's for sure. Absolutely. And there they return. Short stick D midfielders. Uh, Henry Rents is a, one of got another Severn School kid, a local. He's a, one of the shorties. So they they've got a lot of talent coming back. Zach Schneider, long stick midfielder. I mean, they're loaded. And then 
coach is talking about they've got a returning goalie in Pat Ryan, but coach is saying that this freshman, Dan Daly, is pushing Ryan. And this weekend, which Navy opens with two home games, Mount St. Mary's on Saturday, and that's a payback game because last season, Mount St. Mary's came to Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium and beat Navy, and it, it was a very decisive win, and Mount St. Mary's was calling it the greatest win in program history. They ever had beaten Navy. So you got a, you got some payback on Mount St. Mary's. And then Sunday, and this is very rare, very rare to play back-to-back in college lacrosse, but they're playing Queens, which is just moved up to the Division One level. Um, it's a program led by one of Joe Amplo's former high school and college teammates. And so Joe's kind of doing the coach a favor and giving them a game because Queens, as a new Division One program, is having a hard time getting games. So uh, I think you're going to see Dan Daly, the other goaltender, immediately this weekend. Uh, but you know, they've got some talented freshmen. I mentioned Haley. I mentioned uh, Daly. Uh, and they, he coached Amplo. He had he has two guys on the second midfield there that are freshmen. Um, so they're going. They've got a good young class. But I really feel, John, this is an, a critical year for Navy to to make take a big step forward. So taking that big step forward, of course, is dependent on their success in the schedule. Um, they get to go up to Hofstra, host Manhattan. And after that sort of spate of New York team matchups, they get to play high point or maybe Zach Overend, the freshman from Annapolis, Maryland, might get some time between the pipes. But then Wags, it's kind of right into the thick of the Patriot League season, Lehigh, Colgate. Those aren't the top two teams as are Boston University and Loyola. And I don't remember ever Charlie Toomey and his team not being preseason ranked number one in the Patriot League. Um, you know, but they'll still be a tough match this year up in Baltimore in early April. And then you've got like the Hopkins game in the middle of the year, a road trip to Villanova, you know, circle the games for the fans here, Wags, what are going to be the tough matchups and what's going to be the must see stuff other than St. Patty's day under the lights against Hopkins. Well, you mentioned it Loyola number one. I mean, you, they are the pace that are in the Patriot league that, that ever since Loyola joined the Patriot league, they have been the dominant program. So, you know, to be the best, you've got to beat the best. And so you've got to prove that you can beat Loyola. And that game is on the road up there at the Ripley athletic complex in Baltimore. So you got to beat them on the road. Um, obviously army on April 22nd, under the lights, John at Navy Marine Corps Memorial stadium, 7 PM start. Lehigh has been very good program. Um, you know, as far as the non-conference, it's not a real sexy schedule. Mount St. Mary's, Manhattan, you know, up at Hofstra, obviously there's some intrigue there because that's where Joe Amplo played at Hofstra. So that'll be a homecoming for him um, at High Point. That's a return game for High Point playing here. So not a whole lot of sexy non-conference games. And then, of course, Hopkins, another Friday night lights, 7 p.m. game against the hop. So I'm looking forward to that one. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think Navy has a chance to do something this year, John. Yeah, and as we talked about with Coach, um, this team getting on an upward trajectory would match up really well with the positivity coming out of this 
announcement for the new building. Um, I know that you wrote about that in addition to writing about Sid Abernathy's much deserved um, entrance into the Chesapeake chapter of the National Lacrosse Hall of Fame. So great, great stuff happening in lacrosse. Um, Wags, before we go out, any last predictions or last observations on lacrosse and what else you're looking forward to this week? Well, first of all, you mentioned Sid Abernathy being inducted into the Chesapeake chapter of USA Lacrosse Hall of Fame. I want to thank Coach Amplo for purchasing a table on behalf of Navy lacrosse and coming personally. I mean, that's a class act. Sid Abernathy played at Navy in the late 1970s into early 80s under Dick Slaza. And Dick Slaza is, was unable to attend. He's still living, but he's, he's, you know, health is limited, so he could travel to Annapolis. But his son, Steve Slaza, came up to represent his father and sat at the Navy table with Coach Amplo. And a lot of former Navy players from that era, Jeff Johnson, who we had on the pod a few weeks ago, was there. So very, very nice turnout of Navy lacrosse supporters to, you know, feet Sid Abernathy on his induction. I'm looking forward to seeing lacrosse. I want to see how Xavier Arline looks. I want to see how this team overall performs. I'm going to go to both games this weekend. And you got senior day for women's basketball, crossing the fingers that they can win on senior day and send those seniors out. I'll be uh, interviewing the seniors and talking to them about their experience. Been a very odd four years for these seniors with COVID and a coaching change. They've been through a lot. Uh, and then obviously this, this season of struggles. So uh, senior day, hope the Navy women's basketball can send their seniors out. Right. Um, and then, uh, you know, wrestling had its senior day and you mentioned we're going to have Grice on and he had the big win against Binghamton kind of put sealed the match there. Uh, so uh, sorry that we missed the senior day for wrestling uh, should have recognized that uh, in the paper with an article. Yeah, and for clarity, ladies and gentlemen, Wags mentioned that it is Senior Day where we're um, honoring the senior class of Navy women's basketball. It will not be. However, I'm talking to you, Fairweather fans, your last opportunity to see Navy women's basketball at home. They're just doing Senior Day on Saturday because it's a Saturday. Uh, the next Saturday game at home against Army, you certainly don't want to uh, you know, distract from that in the star game. And then you have a chance on Wednesday the 15th to see Lehigh come to um, the Alumni Hall. And also on Wednesday, February 22nd, American comes in. And lastly, to close out the season, Wednesday, March 1st, Navy women's basketball hosts Lafayette. So plenty of opportunities to come out here and support the ladies as they try to turn frowns upside down, ladies and gentlemen, but definitely try to get out there this Saturday for Senior Day and tip your caps to the ladies. For Bill Wagner and Chris Cervello, I am John Schofield. What a great pod. Thank you to Joe Amplo for talking to us about lacrosse and Ashley Pelzik for talking to us about women's basketball and good luck to the water polo boys as they pick their ships. I'm John Schofield. We'll see you next week. We're out. Thoughts and opinions expressed on this pod are our own and don't represent the views of the Naval Academy Athletic Association, the United States Naval Academy, or any organization for that matter. Play-by-play -play calls from the Navy Radio Network are used in the opening of the show and from time to time will be part of the podcast segment.